0: God has chosen the church as an important aspect of his kingdom in this world. He has left no other witness to the world except through his church. Now, the Holy Spirit works in individuals' lives, but he uses the church to reach out to our world, to our community, and Jesus expects us to be faithful in that commission, Too often we see the church developing or accepting the world's secular view rather than God's biblical worldview. We see too many so-called churches that are turning away from the biblical principles to the worldly principles. And there's a real problem with that. That has been Satan's ploy throughout history, is to corrupt the church. Interestingly, in, uh, before World War II in Nazi Germany, Hitler understood this and went after the churches to turn them to the Nazi philosophies. And the church was instrumental in bringing about Nazi uh, principles into that society. Something a lot of people don't realize is that there were a lot of evangelical Christians who resisted this and maintained a scriptural worldview and were jailed because of it. I read in one uh, example that over 500 pastors were jailed at various times in the 1930s in Nazi Germany. And many of the churches, though, turned and adopted the Nazi uh, philosophy. And that was one of the key elements of Hitler being able to accomplish what he did. We see that today in our society that Satan is coming and attacking the church and our beliefs because he wants to see America destroyed. We see a huge moral decline that churches are perpetrating. A lot of churches have become social clubs rather than God's kingdom. I've heard it put this way, that churches need to be rescue ships and not cruise liners. We aren't here to be, have, live a comfortable life. We're here to worship the one true God and to promote his kingdom on earth. In Second Chronicles 7.14, alludes to this. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forget their sin and heal their land. He doesn't say for the people that aren't godly to change their ways. He says it needs to start in the church that we are the key to healing America as a church. And we need to take this very seriously. We need to make sure that we have developed strong biblical convictions and to stand on those. And today we're going to see how Daniel did that in chapter 1. Now the background is, is that Babylon had come in and finally taken over all of Israel and took away a lot of captives, in particular, those of leadership potential. Back to Babylon. Daniel and his four friends, who we know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, by their Babylonian names, stood firm against the pagan culture of Babylon and faced severe consequences for that. The consequence of death all three, four of them were sentenced at one point in time. And yet they stood firm and God blessed them. Now this was not a good situation for them to be taken away into captivity, but God used that and their testimony and their convictions and their deliverance to show who the one true God was. Sometimes we face adversity that God might reach the lost. And we see Nebuchadnezzar and the other kings of Babylon proclaiming Yahweh to be the one true God because of their stance and convictions. There is no hope for the future of our country and world if Christians do not stand with strong biblical convictions. Verses three through seven we see God has given us standards to live by Daniel one three through seven. This is kind of the background of the of the next two points to come, and so in Daniel one three through seven it says, and I read from the new king james i've gotten used to it and and I just stick with what I know. Then the king instructed. Ashpenaz, the minister of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision. Of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that they, so that at the end of that time they might serve the king. So he was blessing them with stuff from his table, and that's where the issue comes about. Verse six continues now from them, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of eunuchs gave the name. Give the names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar to Hananiah Shadrach to Mishael Meshach and to Azariah Abednego. In Leviticus, God laid out ritual laws for the Jews to follow. When Jesus died on the cross, was buried and resurrected, he fulfilled the ritual laws. That's the reason we don't follow those today. We don't offer sacrifices in a temple. We don't uh, follow the dietary laws which uh, God made clear to Peter that we did not need to follow as he uh, pronounced all animals clean in his vision on the rooftop. And so we don't follow the ritualistic laws. The moral laws still stand. To show us our need for a savior is its purpose. Nobody gets saved by following the moral laws but we recognize our failures because of the moral laws, the Ten Commandments, uh, and 260-some-odd commandments that there are in there. To go a little bit further, the world seems to think that God has a scale system for measuring sin, and that we just need to have a few more good works than our evil or bad works to get into heaven. But the problem is not that we don't have enough good works. Our problem is that we have sin in our life. And God would judge us and condemn anybody to hell who stands before him on the judgment day with sin in their life. That's the reason Jesus came to die on the cross. There must be what we call atonement, which is the penalty paid for sin, which is a blood atonement. That's the reason they had all those ritualistic laws of sacrifices not to save them, but to show them a Messiah who is going to come and pay that penalty, who is Jesus Christ, who shed his own blood. When we turn to God in repentance, which means turn it from our ways, our secular worldview ways to his way and commit to following him in our hearts and ask him for forgiveness, then he will save us. And it says he takes away the sin. And when we stand before him on the day of judgment, we'll be allowed into heaven because it's been paid and taken away. That's the only way we can get into heaven. All religions are not spokes of the same wheel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. If these other religions were a way to get to heaven, Jesus would not have needed to come to earth and die on the cross, a cruel, humiliating, and painful death. But he did because that was the only way to get to heaven. There are several areas that I want to discuss about the standards that God gives us to live by. One of them is sexuality. God's standard of sexuality is that that sexual intimacy occurs within a marriage relationship between one man and one woman. He is clear in the Bible that that is is the only only thing that is acceptable. Homosexuality and fornication are not acceptable in God's eyes. And yet many churches, or so-called churches, have accepted that these are okay. But I will continue to stand on God's standard and promote it. In the area of finances, the world says, get all that you can, and he who has the most toys when he dies, wins. But I'll tell you, he has the most toys, dies. And somebody else gets the toys. And when he stands before God, he'll have nothing to stand on and will be utterly destroyed in himself because of the sin that is in his life if he has not accepted Christ as Savior. The Christian standard is that it all belongs to God. And we are his managers of the resources that he has entrusted to us. That we are to use everything we have to build up his kingdom and his works and his ministry. He blesses us. With worldly things to, to help us in our life, but it all belongs to Him. There are a lot of people, I think, who aren't blessed financially because they do not understand that. That we need to develop the conviction that we must tithe off of the goods that God gives us, the things of this world. And then on top of that, we offer offerings to be a blessing to God's kingdom. It's interesting that God gives us blessings, that we might give blessings back to Him. I I always think that's kind of interesting. But that's His standard. Boats, cars, houses, whatever, are not acceptable replacements to giving to God's kingdom. Now, God blesses us enough that He gives us those things... But we need to have the priority of God's kingdom first and foremost in our life. A work ethic. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That whatever God has placed us to work, wherever God has placed us to work, We're to do it as unto Him. Sometimes that's very difficult because we have ungodly bosses and co workers sometimes. But we have to remember that we're doing it for Him first and foremost and to do the best job that we can. When it comes to abortion, we need to understand that every person is made in the image of God at conception. Psalm 139 talks about that God is already involved in the life of people before they are born. That he is weaving us together is the picture that it gives like a tapestry. God has already ordained the calling on our life at the point of conception. And I would say even from the foundations of the world. Because of that, we need to stand up for the rights of the unborn. We would not accept people to go out and start murdering other people. In fact, they end up in jail. And yet, the Bible teaches that they're people before they're born, and so to murder them there is no different than to murder them once they're born. That is a biblical worldview. Interestingly enough, I need to mention ministry. I read an article a few years ago by a former um, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor of a large church, person who I knew personally and ministered with personally. And he put out an article that he realized that what they were doing as a personally, as what he was doing personally. And as a church was building themselves up and not lifting Christ up. But Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Not if the pastor is lifted up, not if the church is lifted up, not if our convention is lifted up. But if Jesus is lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And so as a church, and our pastor, Andrew, and, and Brandon, and I believe Emma is our worship leader, all understand this. And we intentionally do this to make sure that all of our ministry areas, first and foremost, lift up Christ and minister to the soul of those in our community. The purpose of our our programs is to reach out to our community in love with their spiritual needs first and foremost and then their physical needs also. What are watch and read? We need to be careful about what we are absorbing into our mind as believers that it needs to promote the kingdom of God. This is becoming actually much more difficult in today's society that you can go to conservative sources and still find inappropriate material on there. I like to go online and look at Fox News. Frequently and I'll probably say almost every day there's an inappropriate picture on the front page to draw you away from God's standards to the worldly standards. So it's difficult, but we need to do the best we can to make sure that we are not allowing inappropriate material into our lives. And finally, other personal convictions that God gives you. If God gives you a conviction, we do need to understand that it's not necessarily a conviction that other people have. That you might have a conviction to do a certain ministry, but that's not the calling of every person. So we need to work together and understand that. I've seen people who they get focused on one area of ministry and they think everybody should be involved in that area to the exclusion of everything else. Well, that's not kind of the way the kingdom of God works. We're, we're described as a body with different functions. Some are hands, some are feet, some are hearts, some are lungs, some are eyes, ears, some are mouthpieces. Sometimes the mouthpiece can get us in trouble, but... Yeah. I have a... Professor of missions, who is very passionate about missions, has said, everybody's called to missions and needs to go to the foreign mission field. Excuse me, foreign mission field. I I don't think that's quite what God is saying. We're all called to be involved in missions, but not necessarily on a foreign field. We're all called to be on mission where we are, which is right here, right now. And so our personal conviction, we have to understand, isn't necessarily that that other people have, But we need to be faithful in accomplishing the convictions that God has called us to. But let me say this, strong religious convictions demand strong ministerial support. If we believe that abortion is wrong, we need to be helping women in crisis. First Baptist Church Wildwood, First Baptist Church Leesburg have excellent pregnancy crisis ministries, and we need to support them in that if we're going to hold that abortion is wrong. We need to help those who are in crisis. So make sure that our convictions lead us to appropriate responses. In verses 8 through 13, we see that we must stand by these standards. Verses 8-13 through in Daniel 1 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? when you would, Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. It says Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. He had a strong conviction that he would not eat the king's uh, food. Well, if his barbecue, we might be able to. To, um, she said barbecue, but if it was barbecue, we might have a problem. We need to purpose in our heart that we will not defile ourselves. Uh, we don't know exactly what the food included. Um, they speculate that it was food maybe offered to idols. It definitely would not have been kosher, which was their standard. Um, but He said, I'm not going to violate God's laws. We see that in the apostles, that when they were strongly uh, accused and warned that they would suffer persecution if they continued their activities, they said, we must uh, obey God rather than man. Uh, We've seen lots of pastors, in particular in other parts of the world, who are suffering because of their standards and refusing to bow down to the the laws of the land during COVID and continue to meet. We need to understand that there may be a great personal cost to do this. Throughout all history, people, believers, have laid down their lives for the sake of Christ. We in America have become uh, been blessed and become very comfortable because we do not suffer these persecutions that others have. But we still need to develop that standard, because as we see things change in America, that will probably change down the road. But notice, though, how Daniel approached this. We need to develop strong convictions, but we need to approach it in a practical and wise way. We don't need to be obnoxious in our implementation of these standards. We need to be firm, but not necessarily offensive. The Bible is offensive. We present the Bible because people want to be evil in their hearts. The world does. But Daniel said he requested of the chief of eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Rather than pitching a fit, stomping his feet, having a tantrum, he just went and requested it. the chief of eunuchs turned him down and said, Are you crazy? The king's going to kill me if you look worse. I can't do that. Then Daniel went to the next one down below him and this time just said, Hey, test this out. Give us 10 days to see how this works. And if it works, that's great. If not, we'll figure out what to do after that. We need to be in tune with the spirit about how to approach our convictions and how to work them out and to do it in a wise, but firm way. We need to have good Christian attitudes. We need to let people see that there's a difference in our spirit than that of the world. It doesn't take long to go to YouTube to find out people in this world having meltdowns because they don't get their way and acting inappropriately. We need to act as ambassadors of God, representatives of Jesus Christ in all ways in our life at all times. I remember uh, Pastor Andrew talking about when he was playing basketball in college and they were a Christian college and they said when you go out on the court, make sure that you're a good representation of Christ during those times. And somebody said to the coach, well, are we, we aren't going to see anybody get saved because we act like Christians. He said, yes, but you could sure turn some people off from Christianity by acting inappropriately. So we need to be careful in how we act and make sure that it, it uh, lifts up Christ and promotes his kingdom and his ways. And now I want to drop down to verses 17 through 19 and see that God will us, bless us for standing by our convictions. Verses 17 and 19 of Daniel 1 says, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of days, when the king had said that they should, should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king interviewed them, and among all them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. Notice in here, God gives us abilities But uh, natural abilities, but God in particular here gave them knowledge and skill. It wasn't from themselves. As we serve God, he will bless us and use us. He is setting these men up so they'll have influence over the captives and eventually over all Babylon for God. Daniel, in particular, had understanding in all visions and dreams. Later on, we're going to see how important that is that it literally saved his life and the lives of all the the wise men and philosophers and, and interpreters and astrologers and all those in Babylon because he could interpret the dreams of the king. Then the king recognized Daniel as being a servant of the one true God. So God will bless us to bring us into positions of influence for his kingdom's sake. And in fact, it says that the king interviewed them, and among them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were so much better off than often, the rest of the people that they interviewed that the king immediately put them in power and they served before him. So God will bless us and use us. One of the things that that is really wonderful right now in my ministry in the prison is that God has given me favor with the inmates, the staff, and the executive staff. I think that's a supernatural uh, blessing, that it goes beyond anything physical or my own personal nature and character. I have inmates tell me every time I see them, I'm praying for you every day. And I think that's the reason why. Pray for our pastor and our, our staff here regularly, daily, that God will give them favor and vision for this church in their leadership roles. We know that prayer does a great work in God's kingdom, that the fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, we're told. Follow the convictions that God has given you, the biblical convictions. We don't necessarily have to follow the same style, the same preferences. We can adjust as we evaluate, but if it's in Scripture, we must follow it and uphold it. We are the only hope for this world. God doesn't have a second plan. He has uh, commissioned us to be his representatives. And as we follow him and humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from wicked ways, says God will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. If you've never accepted Christ as Savior, you need to turn from your ways to His ways. To accept that His ways are better. We still sin, but we need to have that intention in our heart to follow Him. And when we do that and ask for Him to forgive us of our sins, He'll forgive us of our sins and take them away. You know, a neat thing about God is He can choose to forget. And he chooses to forget our sins as they're covered by the blood of Christ. Never to be held accountable for them. And when we get to heaven, we'll enter into our reward at that point. If you've never accepted Christ as Savior and you want to do that today, all you have to do is just mean it in your heart, turn from your ways to his, and ask him to forgive you. The most beautiful prayer of salvation I ever saw Was my father. Sitting on our back porch, I told him that. He goes, Oh, he looks up and says, God forgive me. Three words, changes eternity because he meant it met in his heart. Don't leave today without accepting Christ as Savior. I'll be down here in the front if you want me to pray with you about anything. Brandon, uh, oh, he went over to Children's Church. Okay, and we got Michael on the back there. If you want one of us to pray for you, we've got Bubba over here. Any any of the men, we got John here. Uh, We'll all be happy to pray with you. But don't leave without accepting Christ as Savior if you've never done that. Believer, stand firm in our convictions, knowing that it's going to accomplish God's will on earth, and we will see great things from it. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those who don't know you as Savior today. I pray that they will turn to you in repentance and for salvation, that they might experience the wonderful life that you have prepared for them. Lord, for those of us that are already believers, I pray that you'll help us to develop strong convictions, to follow those convictions, and to see our world changed because of it. I pray that you'll bless us as a church as we lift you up and your standards. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.